Hello, my name is Eric, and I'm here with my colleague Martin. How you doing, hello, Martin? Hello, hello. I'm very, very, very well. It's very warm here in Munich. Uh, it and it's only getting hotter from what we've heard actually in the next few days. Uh, the AC is on slash our fan is on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, we're melting away here in the in the lovely south of Germany. How is London doing? Tell me about it. I am melting myself as anything over here in London. But that is summer. Actually, no, it's not summer. I mean, not typical for London at all. We're in a massive heat wave. But anyway, it's preparing me for California next month. So... <laughs> it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer and uh let's try to let's try to actually cool us down with um you know with some cars uh, that we're going to talk about today and uh, and i think you know we, we're going to talk about a bunch of cars uh and we have one very very interesting topic which has to do with with car shows but uh, let's talk and let's start with the very, very new, and I think it was just yesterday when this came out, so it's Wednesday today, Tuesday, uh, the new Audi Q3. Uh, very, very new and uh, looks very, very different from the old one that we are very, very familiar with. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you you own one of these uh, previous generations, so uh, I'm sure you're quite familiar with it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, obviously, the, um, you know, for, from my perspective, I think it's a very, it's a very good-looking car. Um, it's an evolution of obviously what it was before and a much more sportier evolution and falling in line with what Audi's been doing in terms of, you know, the, the taut lines, the sportier character um, that, uh, that, that's been initiated under the direction of uh, Mark Lichter. So um, I, I think if we look at, you know, the, the previous generation and this new model, um, you know, it's very much a more aggressive product. I mean, this is more aggressive than, the you know the RSQ3 and this this yeah. is like a you know conventional model um, so the the outgoing RSQ3 you kind of knew why it, it it you know why it was uh, kind of um, dressed the way it was but uh, you know this this car is uh, is very much in terms of the uh, the um, uh, you know a- aggressive character that we that we've spoken about on previous podcasts. Yeah, and I think it, you know, for me personally, I mean, you mentioned that uh, you know we have we have a Q3 as the company car, so we're very very familiar with how you know what, how the car drives and stuff like that. So I expect the car, the new Q3, actually to be on a very very similar way. But um, for me, the whole thing is a little bit of a double edged sword, or like you know, like you know, two sides of the metal. Uh, exterior, I just don't know about this new one. Um, for me, it's too aggressive. You know, like I. I I've known Audis for all my life pretty much and you know they've never really been that kind of super aggressive. They had obviously you know with the with with, with the old Quattros and stuff like that. There was this very very sportiness about them, this kind of adventurous kind of point of view. But especially when I look into the front nowadays and I see the grill, it's almost like oh, you know, I want to eat you. Mm-hmm. Um and I I found that I find that a little bit difficult uh, to be very very honest, especially when you compare it to, you know, to the interior, which is just super clean, you know, very, very well organized. It's, it's just something where you, even from the picture's perspective, you can feel very, very comfortable. Um, and from the exterior, I'm, I'm just not so sure. There's two elements that I don't like. One is the grill. Um, I've, I've mentioned this, I think, before, especially compared to the, to the A1, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, you know, the, the, the more I see it, the more I enjoy it, the new one. Uh, the grill, not that great. And, 
and I just I just find those wheel arches that look like plastic a little bit strange. I didn't like them on the Porsche concept that we saw in Geneva. I don't like them on 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 that kind of particular car, uh, on that kind of particular Audi. It looks just a little bit, uh, let's say, cheaper than it probably is. But, um, it, you know, the interior makes up for a lot of that, uh, to be very, very honest. The interior is, in my opinion, very, very well done. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, uh, from the aesthetic perspective of the exterior, it's quite aggressive. The interior is, you know, not necessarily a, a, a calming environment, but, um, you know, everything is appears to be uh, very well laid out. And, uh, you know, I'm sure from an Audi perspective, it's going to have very quality materials. Now, looking at it, you know, from a perceived quality perspective, this car does appear very, very well, you know, very refined, um, very well, uh, you know, organized in terms of achieving that sporty character that its uh, exterior design alludes to. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of, you know, detail, detail elements from, uh, from the exterior perspective, you know, the, uh, piano black appliques around wheel arches is not, uh, anything that I've ever been fond of. I mean, these are areas that are very prone to, uh, get damaged. Um, you know, they're near the wheels, you know, they could get pitted, scratched, and in, in no time it's going to look very, very bad indeed. So, um, but I agree with you in terms of interior, the it's, it's good. And I think it's also a very good. Um, evolution for the product. And I think a lot of people are going towards, um, you know, wanting to have a sportier car that can kind of, they can identify with. And um, so we'll see if it is, uh, if it is successful, but in terms of typology, um, you know, in terms of segment as well, this is a very important product for Audi. And I think it's, uh, they've done a, a good job. You know, I wish they'd toned down the aggression a bit, but overall, um, I think it's uh, it's good for what it is. Yeah, a little bit a little bit of less is more, uh, to be very very honest. But uh, especially from the exterior, but everything from the rest, uh, I do one hundred percent agree. Especially interior, I do like the interior a lot um, on on the Q on the new Q three. But uh, yeah, and, and, and you know it's gonna it's gonna be a very very sought after car. I mean, we see a lot of them down here in Germany. I've seen a lot you know in the UK of them as well. Um, but uh, when, when we talk about cars that we see a lot, probably one of the cars that we don't see a lot or won't see a lot over here in Europe uh, is going to be the new Mercedes uh, A-Class sedan uh, because that is very, very much made for the Chinese market. And we have criticized the A-Class before, especially the new one. But I think we can say from an exterior perspective, the sedan is actually quite nice. Yes, I do agree. Um, you know, I think it's, it looks nice. It's an A-class with a trunk. You know, everything ahead of the B-pillar is A-class as we've seen it before. Um, I think, you know, as a as a product in order, and as you mentioned accurately, it's it's definitely been conceived for markets like the um, like the uh, Chinese market, which is which is big on on sedans. Also, the U.S. market. I mean, this car, the the longer wheelbase version of this car was actually unveiled in wheel in. Um, uh, in uh, Beijing earlier this year. And uh, so it's clear as to which market Mercedes-Benz is targeting uh, with this product. Now, I, I think from, you know, it still has the, the problem that I have with the A-Class is it's front overhang. And obviously that's still present here in this car. Um, but, you know, in terms of getting someone into the Mercedes brand, this is the entry level Mercedes and it does look quite good. Um, you know, the interior, on the other hand, I'm, you know, is, uh, is a victim of price point, I would say, because there's a lot of things that are, you know, have come over from the uh, S-Class in terms of, 
you know, some uh, mm -hmm. identifiable brand elements, if you will. And uh, it just doesn't work as well in a much smaller package. Uh, I think they need to scale down some of those elements. And, um, you know, in particular, the, the door panel just doesn't, uh, doesn't sit well with me. It looks like a much cheaper product. But again, it is, right? We're not spending six figures on, a, on an A class. It's not, it's not an S class. But um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a decent product and uh, it probably will be very successful for the market in which it was uh, created. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think, I mean, uh, as, 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 as kind of as, as nice and I don't want to say great, like I think nice is, is, and I mean this in a very, very positive, nice way in the English language, not in this kind of, you know, oh yeah, this could be much better. No, it's, a, it is actually a very, very nice exterior. Um, but I do agree on the interior. Um, the interior I mean, I have a problem with Mercedes interiors for a long time already. I didn't like this little, you know, uh, touchscreen thingy, tablet thingy that they that they've done in the in the generation before this one. Now, I'm not majorly a big fan of the MBUX and this kind of two split screen uh, system, uh, and I'm definitely not a fan of the vents nowadays. I think you know, Mercedes grow up, uh, you know, do do something new with the vents. I mean, it's just, it, it you know, take take do something with them, make it modern. You know, it's they just look so old school in that kind of regards. And if you then see these screens and, and, and then the combination with the vents, and then it doesn't matter if it's in an A class or an AMG or in a, uh, in an S class or in a C class, you know, it's just like you, you have to make sure that the feeling is modern and I don't necessarily have that. And if, especially if we compare that with the Audi where it is a little bit less is more, where it is quite reduced, but you still have everything that you need. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure if Mercedes is completely up to that. Uh, and as, 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 you know, as good as, of, as, of, as work as they do on the exterior, I think they still have a lot to do on the interior. Um, and I, I don't just want to blame it on the package because I think, uh, they, they do have certain kind of opportunities to change some kind of things. I don't want to, you know, I don't know what kind of influence marketing has in terms of then, you know, kind of matching the ranges and stuff like that. And, you know, the different kind of car series and all these things. But uh, generally speaking, I it looks like a missed uh, a missed opportunity here uh, from the exterior, uh, from the interior, sorry. Mm -hmm. The exterior, I think, that's not bad. You know, um, th that that will sell uh, very, very well, I think, especially in the US as well, especially if we compare, compare it with like a Volkswagen Jetta or something like that. You know, that's kind of a great kind of comparison. And they're going to have a very, very successful market with with that. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, the brand image is uh, definitely um, gearing more towards the younger uh, demographic as well. Um, you know, and that, as you mentioned, you know, in terms of its competitors, uh, you know, it's it's a way of getting into the brand and that brand carries a lot of weight. So, you know, I mean, good job on, on the uh, on, on the design, I think, of the exterior in particular, um, you know, and it's uh, it's it's a good looking car. But I do agree with you in terms of interior. So uh, the next yeah. the next car that um, I'd like to actually discuss is the um, is the, the the Porsche Macan, which is also uh, an evolution. Now this is a refresh um, because you know uh, the German companies typically have a seven year product cycle. So this is a car that was unveiled in 2014. Where now it's 2018. Um, it's not entirely new, but it does kind of move into um, you know what Porsche is doing with their other products, in particular from the from the rear um, and, you know, the, the full length uh, and very thin uh, tail lamp treatment. I think that was very, very well done for this new generation. Um, 
Agree. And um, I, th- I think the biggest takeaway from this car in terms of really the design is where Porsche is going. Yeah. I mean, we've seen teaser pictures of the new Taken, which is pretty much the, the Mission E yeah, um, going into production. Uh, uh, you know, the headlights obviously have, have been very, very close to what the Mission E has been. So they've bringing that into uh, into this kind of new McCann. Uh, the taillights, exactly the same thing. You know, the very, very thin line, a very, very reduced kind of lighting system around the car, which I personally very, very like. I do enjoy that. Uh, you know, it kind of started off with the big Bugatti taillight. You know, that was just one big light that was really, really cool. Uh, in my opinion, uh, I, I just personally have a problem with Porsche and SUVs, uh, to be very, very honest. It's just something for me I don't personally like. Uh, so I don't really want to judge uh, the Porsche and, <laughs> and the SUV. You know, uh, it's just not my cup of tea, to be very, very honest. I'm more excited about, you know, kind of seeing those kind of cues a little bit ahead of then what's going to happen with the Taken. Uh, is that really going to be hopefully a sports car or is that just going to be uh, uh, an electric Panamera? This is what, what what is really going to be interesting for us, I think, to see uh, in that sense. On this new, Mac, you know, Macan, to be very, very honest, I saw it, you know, it, tiny little facelift, you know, a few things that changed. Not really my car that I'm very, very interested in. You know, I'm, if, I'm, if we're talking about Porsche, we're talking about some other Porsches, but... Um, uh, yeah, it, it it is what it is, you know, and I think it will still sell uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of cars uh, with with what it is, of course, from a McCann perspective, because it is one of their most popular cars. Uh, you know, it's if people want to have the Porsche nowadays, it's either the Cayenne or it's the or it's the McCann. It's not the 911 anymore, um, you know, and and that's what it is. And I think they they're going to do very very well with it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't doubt that, but you know, obviously. Um, this is another car that was launched in the Chinese market um, because they sell a third of all of the Macans produced over there in, in China. So that, yeah. is, um, you know, and, and again, you know, it's, it's a very subtle refreshes to certain elements, um, you know, in, in the bumpers and, and the tail lamp and things that we've covered. Um, but it's, you know, I, I'm generally not a fan of SUVs, but, you know, it's like it's very hard to get away from them uh, now. And um, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, a, a typology that showcases an individual's kind of um, uh, identity um, or, you know, uh, someone that wants more practicality, uh, obviously they've taken off. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. But what, what is particularly interesting, again, is the fact that this was launched not at a, any motor show. Uh, obviously, it was launched in Shanghai, which shows, showcases the importance of that car. Um, in that market. Um, but it's, it's interesting that a lot of debuts now, um, even major debuts like Polestar, for example, were made away from traditional motor shows. And I think that is kind of our main topic for this week, um, discussing what is going on at some of these motor shows and the products that they're attracting at these motor shows. Um, for example, the, uh, the, the singer, um, that was unveiled at Goodwood. Um, and, you know, that's a car, like you mentioned uh, uh, to me earlier, set the internet on fire when it was unveiled. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that company based in, uh, in, in California has had uh, a lot of publicity and has shown and numerous times over at the Quail in Pebble Beach. Um, now, you know, with their latest product, they're bringing it over to, to Goodwood. 
Um, what are your What are your thoughts on that car? <laughs> you, on okay, so as you mentioned correctly, of course, the Singapore Porsche kind of broke the internet. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it is the. This particular car is the Kim Kardashian of uh, of, of cars that has come out. Um, look, it has a big bum. Yeah, let's be very, very honest. Uh, and it's just, for me, I do very, very much appreciate Singer Porsches. The original ones, you know, like the very, very first one that came out, uh, and that was kind of the, the, the starting point for the company, I really, really enjoyed that one. If I see this one now, this has nothing to do with... A, what I what I think you know a cool nine six four should be like. It is too much. It is too wide. Like you know, the wheel arches in particular they look like you know they've been glued on. I do understand it's about weight reduction. I do understand it's about you know performance and all these things. And I can understand also why people absolutely love this mm. kind of thing. But for me, to be very very honest, this has it, it just. And this is I think the biggest disappointment for me personally. It is just not a nice looking car anymore because it it doesn't really look like it's a perfect you know this is like what we used to from Singer it's like absolutely perfect like the shapes are absolutely perfect you know like the surfaces are absolutely perfect and then now you have these wheel arches of course to save you know weight and stuff like that and I've asked someone who worked on that kind of car and, and said yeah it was the intention of the designer and okay it's full performance but it takes a little bit away of this kind of glamorous uh, picture that we had of Singer before with these absolutely beautiful Porsches. And now it's just, you know, I'm not so sure. It's just like, it's not my, my preferred Singer, uh, to be very, very honest. I'd rather prefer the little bit older ones, like the more traditional ones where they really like, you know, only changed very, very little, but, you know, subtly just made it extremely, extremely nice. This one for me, just too much, and like I said, and I know a lot of people are going to hate me for that, but it is really the Kim Kardashian of uh, of uh, of car design at the moment. A lot of people look at it, and on the other hand, of course, you know it does have a big bum. <laughs> I mean, you know, this. I, I hear what you're saying. This is a very much a, a different, um, you know, uh, a different example of what Singer is able to do. Because in the past, as yes. you've mentioned, you know, they they've taken a, a 1964 or sorry, a 964, so a 1990 era uh, Porsche 911, and transformed it into something that uh, was always kind of the goal was to, to optimize it, to, you know, make it sit right, make it, optimize it in every in every area. So be it, uh, you know, making the, the panels out of carbon fiber, making, um, you know, certain improvements to the engine, uh, making it sit on 17-inch wheels, for example. Uh, it was... Um, it was uh, always a case of really just like uh, optimizing the vehicle to the max, but also not making it like, uh, you know, showy. Um, yeah, exactly. More of a, an understated, but, you know, really, really specifically optimized Porsche through various different elements, like the nickel treatment on, on these cars, for example, is, is amazing. Um, it's it's uh, something that is not, traditional in in the you know in the car space it wasn't chrome it wasn't loud it was certain elements you know the jewelry type um bits that uh you know really made it stand out and and commanded a presence and the fact that you know all these customers could specify it however they say that they wish to um to, yeah. to their individual taste was ideal now this is you know this is a performance beast um you know but at the same time they try to 
uh, integrate certain elements uh, of design. So, for example, the seat headrest, mm-hmm. uh, the form of that seat headrest is quite pleasing. It's quite nice. Uh, I, I really like the door panels as well, you know, in terms of, you know, taking out material. I mean, there's so many elements on that car that are about optimizing it in terms of re- reducing weight. And, and they, basically that's what it's called. I mean, it's the, the dynamics and lightweight study, the DLS. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in, in collaboration with Williams, this is a, uh, I'm sure a performance beast. Like, I don't know figures. I haven't been behind the wheel. I haven't even sat in one, but I did see it sitting up there on, uh, on the Goodwood stand, um, you know, and, uh, and there was a couple of cars that were actually running as well in the, um, up, up and down the, the hill climb. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, this is singer space, you know, these are the, that's the target demographic that they're looking to hit. But at the same time, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's Porsche's 70th anniversary. Um, and you know, they were showcasing a very different, uh, interpretation of, you know, the recent 911, which is the, uh, you know, that speedster uh, concept study, which is going to make it to, pr- to production as well. Yeah. And I think this is the big, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, n- not putting this into the wrong way. I, I do like singers, uh, you know, that's, that's really not the, the, the problem for me. It's just like this singer was a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this was pretty much the only reason why I didn't like it. And, you know, it's one of, one of a few that they've made, of course, but, uh, that's okay. But talking about the speedster concept of Porsche, I just asked the question, why? <laughs> you know, when I think when I think of the speedster in particular, uh, and I think this is the, the original speedster, you know, like the, 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 the 356 speedster, the absolute beautiful one, uh, you know, one of the most beautiful Porsches ever made. Very, very simple, super like clean with everything pretty much. I mean, you can ask, Almost everyone and everybody's like, oh, you know, they're in absolute awe of this kind of car. This new one, to be honest, uh, for a 70th anniversary of Porsche, I was quite disappointed. I would have asked, you know, I would have expected more. Mm. Uh, if you celebrate a uh, an anniversary, then, you know, this is just for me, it's just not cutting it, uh, to be very, very honest. It's just not enough. Mm. Um, I don't think it's something completely new. I think it's... You know, it looks like a you know someone like a tuner or like you know someone who's not as good a singer <laughs> has 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 worked on something like that. You know, on a kind of a new Porsche, yeah. um, and this is actually the the really really sad thing is because they had this, uh, you know, this really really nice picture right right behind a, an original Speedster, uh, and then this new one, and you're just like, I would never take in the new one. Like the old one is still like you know hundred million times better, uh, and I would have I, I kind of just would have wished that. Porsche would have been a little bit more, you know, would have had a little bit more courage, like, you know, really try to do something new or really go into way more inspiration with the old speedster rather than just like, you know, the, the round side mirrors and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. uh, the yeah. side mirrors actually take a little bit from the original speedsters or the original singers as well. You know, the, the early, um, singers that, uh, that Rob created had these, but they were nickel plated and they were smaller and rounder. Mm-hmm. And, and I, they, um, they pay homage to the to the original um, better. Uh, if I, you know, I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of of the of the speedster. I mean, like the thing is, creating something like this, you know, just raking back the windshield essentially, and probably adding a little bit in terms of power um, is, you know, it's an image thing. Um, you know, it's it, they're probably not going to produce a whole lot of them. 
Um, I, I wouldn't imagine that they would. It's probably going to be a limited series thing, yeah. just like in the, in the 1990s. And I, I may have told you this story. You know, when I was when I was uh, a young a young boy, <laughs> I, uh, I saw I saw um, I was living in New York City, so I, I was taking the bus back home, and I saw this uh, this crowd amassed outside of this uh, this um, dealership. And it wasn't like, you know, a, a Porsche dealership. It was a dealership that sold all of these crazy, you know, like AMG, whatever, all sorts of like, yeah. you know, sports cars. And um, inside was Mike Tyson and he was buying a 911 Speedster. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's it's all about, you know, just getting small a small quantity of these cars out there so that people can then continue to talk about the brand and, you know, the Speedster is something that's going to be, um, you know, produced in, in, in limited form with uh, various enhancements. And I'm not a big fan of it aesthetically, but in terms of like the person that wants to bring the car to Monaco or whatever, uh, <laughs> and, you know, then, then, okay, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's probably who these cars are going to be uh, geared towards and uh, who they are geared towards, but who they're going to be sold to. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think that the 911 is the quintessential Porsche model. If you ask anyone about yep. it, they will tell you about the 911. Um, and so to create something that also uh, attempts to pay homage to uh, another icon, as you mentioned, which was the original 356 Speedster, um, to celebrate their 70th anniversary, that's... that's uh, you know, it's it makes it makes marketing sense, shall we say? <laughs> of course, of course, and and it actually, you know, th this brings us really to our main point that we can discuss because you know you've mentioned this earlier that the the Porsche Macan was shown in in in, in Shanghai, obviously making a lot of sense because you know most of their kind of Macans are going to be uh, are going to be you know sold in China. The Speedster was, I think, if I remember correctly, was first shown in the uh, in uh, Zuffenhausen, in their main, in their main, you know, plant over there, as a as a kind of a celebratory gift. It's just like you know, this is what we, you know, what we've done for the seventeenth birthday. But what we've also seen with with Goodwood is that the idea of the traditional car show is becoming more and more obsolete. Uh, maybe not obsolete, but there's definite demise of the traditional kind of car show. We've seen, uh, I mean, we've both been to shows such as CES this year, you know, in, in Vegas as well as in, in, in China. You know, we've been to traditional kind of car shows. Uh, we've been to, you know, special kind of events and all these kind of things. Um, but it seems like the time actually for the traditional car shows where everybody's coming, you know, everybody's meeting up, they show their new cars, um, both on a concept level as well as on a production level, that seems to be over um, when, when we look at it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, if we if we just look at what's, what's happening uh, in Paris, I mean, there's a whole mess of automakers that aren't showing up there. And there's, I guess there's, there's different reasons for that. You know, it could be one, uh, a, uh, a, just a general lack of product, new product. And those motor show stands cost a hell of a lot of money. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, if you look at Paris, like the fact that BMW isn't showing up, uh, Ford isn't going to be there, Mazda, Mitsubishi, Nissan, um, and, and that's like, and that's just half of the list. I mean, there's, I think there's eight manufacturers that are skipping it that we know of so far. Um, yeah. and 
you know, even brands like Volkswagen, that uh, is the number one car importer to the French market. It's uh, it's just insane. But at the same time, like I said, and you know, it's all uh, it's all down to economics. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, renting space and some of these show stands um, uh, cost a lot and lot of money, and uh, you know, millions. Like you know, it's it's uh, it's not unheard of. And so when you think about what you could do with that amount of money, that budget, um, in terms of showcasing your product, like Polestar did when they when they unveiled that car back in uh, the first, you know, the Polestar one was shown in Shanghai yeah. uh, at an exclusive event where they invited the people that they wanted to invite. Uh, they had them all flown over. They did a awesome, like massive thing in like an airplane hangar. The thing was so big. And then they they got all eyes on that car. They didn't have to compete for, you know, back in the day, it was column inches and no one really, and now it's like website clicks, but they didn't have to compete for visibility with anyone else. So it was, um, it was a good plan on their part. Um, what's interesting is that Goodwood is basically replacing the traditional motor show because in the UK, there is no motor show anymore. There's like a, a really... London exactly. Motor Show that means nothing, um, but what is happening at Goodwood is kind of the the way that things are going. It's these these events that are, you know, peripheral, if you will, from the traditional automotive uh, auto show scene. But at the same time, there's every single manufacturer is out there at Goodwood showing in a you know uh, a pop up uh, tent or or stands that they've created like a two story like crazy. Um, you know, showcase of a stand and they're paying, you know, the, uh, the Duke of Richmond, I think I, I, I heard, and this might, you know, not be entirely accurate, but that the Jaguar, the JLR stand um, was in excess of 20 million pounds. So that's, that's just some ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous figures. Um, yeah. You, you, and, and you hit, like so many different people coming to the show to see Formula One cars, to see, um, you know, your bespoke singer unveiled, to see other things that, you know, as you're traveling around the Formula One paddock, you also happen to see the new Rolls-Royce Phantom or, you know, on the track. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting way of, uh, of getting, it's, it's the modern motor show way, I think. Yeah, and it also, I think, has to do with the general kind of way nowadays how we perceive brands. Um, you know, it, when when we look back into, like, you know, Frankfurt as well, and, uh, you know, I think Geneva uh, and Tokyo, you know, to a certain kind of degree as well, those kind of shows are really made for the customers. <laughs> so, you know, you, you still show stuff and you show your cars that are supposed to be really sold to the people. Now you can buy them actually at the shows. You can sign up for them. You see that in Geneva all the time, well, you know, all these kind of supercar manufacturers like, Oh, you can sign up for the cars pretty much right away. I mean, I know that, you know, uh, roof, the company, uh, you know, that, uh, that kind of, you know, tunes or, you know, builds their own Porsches as well. Similar to a singer again, mm. um, you know, they've had the, the yellow birds, uh, version two or whatever they called it, like you know the, the new yellow bird, and they pretty much sold the whole the whole lot of it in Geneva, and and I think this is really what what the kind of perception nowadays of the car shows is probably going to be. It's this kind of advanced, you know, we can see as many cars as possible, maybe we can buy one here, 
So the kind of concept car is just a sign of, oh, look how cool we are so we can pull the people over there. Whereas with something such as Goodwood in particular, um, you can say this is really for the enthusiasts. So for them, it's not always just about buying a car. It's about enjoying the experience. It's about, you know, building an emotion, building a relationship with a certain kind of brand or, you know, building on an existing relationship with the brand that a certain person has. And, um, and, and I think those kind of events are much, 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 much more powerful for that. And of course, uh, you know, those kind of private events, uh, that give, they just give you way more exclusivity. You know, if you can say, oh, you know, I've been invited to that kind of event, that's a different kind of story of, uh, you know, oh man, I want to buy that car. You know, I'm really, really interested in that. Like, you know, you're focusing on just one brand, but, um, on the other hand, of course, the really, really downside is we, we just see fewer concept cars. Yeah. Because, um, you know, they're, they're just not going to do a show for a concept car. I mean, that would probably be way too expensive. Yes. No, but you know, like you said, I mean, there's, there's so many different people coming to these events. There's, you know, people from all walks of life, people that want to see, you know, people on the rally stage, uh, people that want to see, um, other, you know, uh, cars racing on the track, but then they have to, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you go to Vegas, right? You're in, you're in Vegas and you want to go from your hotel room to the conference center or to the pool or to the breakfast. You've got to walk through the casino. There's no other way to get to the pool than to walk through the casino. And maybe while you're there, you'll drop a fiver on the slots or whatever. And that's basically the way um, of Goodwood. And because you're tapping into um, other people that, you know, when I was walking around, Neo had a stand over there and, you know, they showed nine and there was a mm-hmm. girl um, that talked to, you know, I, I, her boyfriend, she like was walking by and she was like, what is, what is Neo? And, and so it's that way of increasing not only your visibility in the eyes of, um, people that have no idea who you are and could be your potential customers, but it's also, you're very right. The, the aspect of, um, you know, being in that space where, it's the environment, it's the, uh, the allure, it's, you know, the exclusive factor, you know, when you go to the McLaren stand, for example, is like this big thing over in the corner, right next to the Goodwood house. And then they've got this lavish, um, backyard spread where they've got all of their, um, you know, clients or, you know, prospective clients, you know, um, out there, uh, drinking champagne, you know, it's like, um, it's, it's a, it's a cool day out, you know, for, uh, for these guys. So, and it's a great way to showcase the brand in a setting that is basically what you're, what you're looking to target for McLaren anyway. You know, I mean, those, the buyers of McLarens, let's face it, they're all one percenters, right? So they're the ones, they're the ones going to the Goodwood (laughs) Bowl with, uh, with, uh, the Duke of Richmond. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, um, to see how, people are moving away from the traditional motor show. When I was a kid, you used to be able to go up to any motor show and stand and buy a car on the spot. And you can't do that everywhere anymore. I know you still can in Geneva. Yeah. I know probably, um, you know, certain other shows where you can do that, but you can't do it everywhere. And um, Detroit was founded on that. Exactly. You know, it was, a, I mean, the whole thing is put together by the Detroit uh, Dealers Association. So, um, and, and I'm really happy, actually, to hear that they decided to move it because um, Detroit in January is no fun. <laughs> and especially now that it's competing against CES, you know, that's another show where, you know, you're attracting a demographic of individuals that are interested in technology. 
um, you know, and you don't get that by going to Detroit, you know, and, and so automakers are really in tune with that and they're showcasing um, really amazing new cars um, in, uh, in, in at CES, um, you know, which is an electronics show. I mean, it's uh, yeah. really changing the game. So where do you think, you know, because it's obviously easy for us to kind of analyze or criticize a little bit, but where do you think, you know, the car show is going to go? Do you think it's going to disappear? Do you think we're just going to have fewer of them? Or what, what? what is your kind of, what is your kind of, you know, future, you know, futuristic, uh, you know, out, uh, you know, viewing point for, for the car show in, let's say, 10, 15 years? Do you think we will only have like, you know, a single kind of car show? So like, you know, the manufacturer will do their own show. Um, obviously things such as CES will become bigger and bigger and the technology becomes more in, in included. But um, what is, what is your personal opinion on this? I think, um, you know, we, we've seen already a lot of, a lot of people, um, a lot of companies rather flocking to, uh, you know, classic car events. And that is kind of an easy one um, because there's so much nostalgia uh, associated, so much emotion associated with these uh, vehicles that, you know, let's face it, you and I aren't going to go out and buy, um, you know, singers. Um, yeah. You know, we're not going to go out and, 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 you know, maybe, you know, hopefully someday we'll, you know, we'll have that DB5 in the garage or whatever, but it's, for now, for us in our lifetimes and in a lot of, you know, younger people's lifetimes or, or lives at the moment, um, we go there to look at some of these pristine examples of uh, vehicles that were created in a distant past that are extremely appealing from a design perspective, which, you know, now with SUVs, let's just face it, it's not all that exciting anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I think, you know, to answer your question, in the future, um, we're going to see a lot more of these, you know, of cars, uh, traditional cars as we know them. I mean, it's going to be difficult to sell autonomous vehicles in a car show, right? Um, so, but for the immediate future, I think we're going to see a lot more of like Salon Privé, like there is in, mm -hmm. in, in the UK in uh, in September, I think it is. They, they launched a new event that took place a, a few months ago. So you got a springtime, you've got a, uh, a, a end of summer, uh, you know, show where there's a bunch of manufacturers that are getting in on that action. Um, of course, you've got Goodwood. I'm just talking about the UK. But then if you go over to Pebble Beach, you've got, you know, the concept car lawn, which is growing every year. You've got the Quail, which is hyper exclusive, you know, events where you've got all the Singer vehicles over there, mm -hmm. as well as others. Um, you know, you've got... Uh, also, you know, um, you've got cars that would never display in in in, uh, in other shows over there um, at, at these you know specific events that are really tailored. I mean, maybe Geneva, right? Because Geneva is all about like the uh, the car um, cons constructors, you know, the the yeah the, the fabs or whatever, you know, the the I can't even get their names right now, but you know what I'm talking about these. Um, these guys that are creating, you know, bespoke examples and customizing things like, sure. like, like roof, um, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was a good example, but there's a lot of others like tech, you know, tech designs or whatever it's called over in, uh, tech arts rather in, uh, yeah. in, uh, in, 
in the yes. Stuttgart area. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, and I think I think I, you know I I do agree um, in 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 that kind of sense that we can we can kind of summarize I think in a little bit that we say okay the car shows will not die. Um, but I think there might just be there might be a limit of, of 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 shows that will survive. So it might just be one, a maximum of two in Europe. I think China might be a little bit different. We see Tokyo already only in a two year cycle, you know, and and it seems like LA is becoming the 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 the, the, the main show for the US uh, at this moment in time. So uh, it will just be fewer opportunities, I think, to see those kind of op- to to, the, to see the cars, but also the, the 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 concepts. I think will have a much much bigger impact then because you have fewer shows. But um, you know, let's let let's let's you know let, let's wrap that bit off here. And we of course would absolutely love to to hear from you and in your opinion, where do car shows go in the future? You know, what might happen to them? Maybe we there is something that you know we don't even know yet that might you know evolve into a car show. But um, we we should move on into one of our favorite uh, bits of the podcast, which is uh, who is where. But we're actually going to start off this with a little bit of a sad part because we we had uh, Chris Swenson from from Ford has unfortunately passed away, and uh, he he was obviously most famous for I think just in the in the past few months and the past few years for the Ford GT, the new one, and uh, and that was obviously you know in terms of design the biggest news of course Marcione. Uh, from uh, Fiat Chrysler, the um, the CEO over there died as well, unfortunately. But Chris Venson, uh, pretty pretty good career, would you not say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, this uh, Chris, yeah, that was really really sad news for me to hear. Um, you know, I learned over the weekend uh, that that Chris passed away. Unfortunately, he'd been battling cancer. We all know what a horrible disease that is. I know it firsthand. Um, my my father passed away from cancer as well, and. It's it's a devastating disease. So I really, you know, I really want to send uh, condolences out to his wife, his two daughters, uh, the entire Ford team, you know, that was working under him. Yeah, Chris was a Ford man. You know, he was a car enthusiast uh, first and foremost. Um, but he'd spend his entire career at, uh, at at Ford. And you're right. I mean, the most recent thing that he's probably well, most well known for is that uh, the Ford GT. Um, which he he bought, uh, you know, a few months ago. He took delivery of one, and um, you know, I'm happy that he got to. I'm happy that he got to see that, you know, and and, uh, and own one and drive it because there's no greater satisfaction for a designer than to see your car on the road, let alone own one, you know, have one in your garage. So good for him for that. Um, I'm happy that he was able to achieve that. But yes, I mean, a, a hugely influential designer, a British man. Um, that, you know, he graduated from the RCA. He did a bunch of things, including the, the first car, uh, which was uh, basically, Mm -hmm. um, it was, uh, it was his, uh, his college degree show, his, his thesis project that, uh, eventually made it into a, uh, a production car for, for, for Ford. So, you know, that was brilliant, uh, for him. But then, you know, he's also like massively influential in other areas as well. And, you know, again, through Ford, he did the first generation Puma. He did the, um, you know, he worked on the the, the Cougar, like a, a bunch of a bunch of vehicles. I mean, all through all through his career, um, you know, going from Cologne in Germany all the way through, um, you know, to uh, to Australia, all the way through to the uh to North America, where he, you know, um, was design director for uh, uh, for a North American product on uh, for the over there, and yeah. 
he even did he even did um uh, the fab one from the movie thunderbirds um i don't know if you've seen that movie like it's it's a, it's an amazing like just to think you know like that he could have had a hand in i've, I've got a press kit. i've never actually seen the movie uh, <laughs> 2004 movie but i the press kit is is what i have and that thing is uh is just phenomenal and um you know yeah he he i mean you know he will be missed i think for the whole community yeah. and um yeah i'm you know he, he and like i said he will be missed and you know may he rest in peace but um we we have of course some positive news as well which is actually people you know moving from one place to another and this would be alessandro d'ambrosio mm-hmm. uh, a volkswagen man uh who for our surprise, I think we were quite, uh, you know, we were we were actually quite surprised when when we saw this kind of news. He moved over to Mitsubishi as, uh, you know, uh, the you know executive design director, who apparently will be in charge of the studios both in uh, Japan and in and in Germany. Mm. And quite a surprise move. Does came a little bit out of nowhere. Uh, and also, of course, uh, you know, uh, let's say the the question is: Is it needed? I mean, of course. You know, Kunimoto, uh, you know, Tsunihiro Kunimoto, the guy who runs Mitsubishi Global Design, uh, you know, he is getting a little bit older now. I think he's 67, you know, so he, he's definitely on the outlook for uh, for a successor. But, um, you know, with, uh, you know, Watanabe-san from Nissan moving over just recently, you know, Thomas Bigwood running the German studio, uh, you know, having another guy coming in was a bit of a surprise. But, you know, I think we can be quite interested in seeing what uh, what's going to happen with Mitsubishi. I mean, you know, they, they've shown some cool stuff recently in Tokyo, especially. Mm. And, uh, you know, you can hope that he's moving it forward. And uh, a Volkswagen, a Volkswagen man, a long, long, long time Volkswagen man can, of course, help in that, especially in terms of quality. Yes, yes. Um, well, I mean, you know, there's uh, there's a, there's been a lot of things going on over at Mitsubishi. Um, it's definitely exciting times over there at that company since, especially since you know, there's the the, the Nissan Renault uh, alliance that bought uh, you know uh, a stake in Mitsubishi now that that's injecting some much needed cash. And I think um, you know in the past, as you've mentioned, they've they've created a lot of cool concepts. And they've always only remained concepts. And that's a, a real shame because I thought there were some promising things. If anything, it was definitely pushing the boundaries um, on the things that they've unveiled even in the last four or five years. Um, but again, no, nothing ever kind of tr- made the transition from a conceptual phase into production. Um, now, I, I don't know Alessandro D'Ambosio. Um, you know, Auto and Design broke this story on uh, la- uh, last week yeah. when... Uh, when uh, when he he came out uh, when they they came out with that article to uh, announce it and then subsequently um, obviously they uh, Mitsubishi has announced uh, 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 has put out a press release and made their own official announcement now um, he's going to be the design director of advanced design so it, you know he's not going to be doing so essentially he's joining Mitsubishi which is very much news in itself but. He does have quite a, a, a good career, not only at Volkswagen, but also, um, you know, within the Volkswagen group. So he was head of the yeah. concept design studio in Munich um, for Audi. Uh, and that is also something that, you know, is, is kind of uh, necessary um, because not only is he going to be, as you mentioned, leading, um, you know, teams at, at, at three design studios over there in um, or two design studios over there in the in Japan, 
but also in Germany. So, um, you know, his kind of experience, I think, in Germany is something that um, Mitsubishi is kind of looking forward to. And, and perhaps, you know, they will groom him into taking over for uh, Kunimoto. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't really know if that's the, the plan or the, the big picture. You know, there's a lot of other people that have been um, at uh, at Mitsubishi that, you know, could be potentially have been groomed for that role. Now, um, it's, it's an interesting, uh, announcement nonetheless. Um, I do, uh, wish him well in, in his new role Yeah, and I'll be, I'll be very interested in seeing, you know, what it is that, uh, he changes or, you know, he manages to push through and how it is that he ends up working with the team over there. Exactly. And, um, you know, we wish him nothing but the best. I think it's going to be interesting. From what we know, he's probably going to be based in Japan uh, for most of the time. So that's going to be a very, very interesting development anyways. Uh, because, you know, I personally love Japan. It's a fantastic country. You know, Tokyo is really, really nice as well. So a really, really nice adventure. And uh, just very, very quickly to kind of wrap this up, uh, it's not really a move in, in in terms of a big move from company to company. Um, but we have uh, John Saas, uh, who moved... Uh, well, who became actually the head of uh, the Latin American design studio for Nissan, so we stay within the company. And, uh, you know, it was just announced, I think, by Alfonso Baisa, who, you know, just a few months ago already, now they've put out a press release, mm -hmm. but he moved uh, internally uh, at Nissan and he's now heading the studio uh, down in Brazil. So, of course, very, very good for him. But uh, not the kind of biggest move in, in, in the sense of like, you know, he moved from big company to big company or like, you know, he, he left a big company to join a startup, but uh, still very, very well deserved that uh, he got this position. And uh, speaking. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been at Nissan for a good while. I mean, you know, the uh, uh, besides, you know, he does have experience over there at Mercedes Benz. And uh, I mean, he's a uh, he's. He's very much, uh, uh, you know, an asset for uh, for Nissan and as a whole. You know, talking about all sorts of brands, and for him to be over there in Latin America, he really knows what it is that's happening within the organization. Having come from Nissan Design America, where he worked on a number of products uh, projects, um, so he's yeah, it's good for him as well. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's been that's a bit old news now seeing as he, he, he moved down there back in March. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, just to kind of wrap it up because, uh, you know, we've done another over 45 minutes. It's, uh, you know, we're getting into our flows over here, but just to kind of make it, of course, from our perspective, also a little bit interesting from a different perspective, we are still looking for people, of course, for the, our day-to-day -day business, uh, in, in, in terms of the headhunting and recruiting for people. So in particular, interior guys, um, we have management positions actually at the moment as well. So when you listen to this on, on a, let's say, 10 plus year experience level, starting from, um, you know, uh, exterior, interior, color trim, uh, you know, 3D managers, visualization leads, uh, even to modeling managers, uh, studio engineering uh, managers, uh, please do get in touch with us uh, at, uh, you know, either myself, Martin, at uh, on Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, what else do we have? Instagram, I think we do have as well to, to very, very much, uh, you know, to a much delight. Uh, or, of course, get in touch with Eric, uh, again, via LinkedIn, via Twitter, via Facebook, uh, I think as well, Eric. Uh, you're represented as well as on Instagram. 
Um, and obviously all those kind of connections will be linked here as well. But uh, yeah, so if you are looking for something new, please do get in touch with us. We do very, very much appreciate that. Uh, of course, everything will be very, very discreet and uh, highly confidential. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. And um, that's how we work. So um, yeah, by all means, if you uh, are looking for something, um, and again, you know, like Martin said, it's more mid-level or senior level positions. Um, and uh, yeah, please do get in touch with us. Let us know uh, what you're looking for. And hopefully we can find something that will suit you. Exactly. And to kind of finish this whole thing off, as always, uh, first of all, I would like to thank all the listeners that have joined us on iTunes, Spotify, Podigy, um, but also on YouTube, uh, where we have added the recorded and actually video version of the episode four podcast we will do that more regularly from now onwards but we will always do that when eric is present down here in munich as well because we have the nice studio here so it's not going to be every episode but probably every other episode um, but thank you very very much for for following us for liking us for giving us a, a five-star rating continue doing that And, um, and of course, you know, continue giving us the feedback, especially we want to hear about, you know, your opinion about the car shows in particular, feel free to criticize on, uh, you know, my, my opinion on the singer as well. <laughs> I have absolutely no problem with that. And, uh, uh, we can, we can, we can also announce that probably not in the next episode, but probably in one of the few ones, we have to wait and see if, if, you know, how quickly we can include that, but we will have guests on the podcast. So, um, That's going to be fairly interesting for us. The new addition moving up in the world. Indeed, indeed. And we will try to do that more regularly with the guests and, you know, bring in some other perspectives. But, um, you know, in the meantime, you have to, you, know, you have to stick to the two of us. And uh, <laughs> Sorry. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening again to the, uh, to the fifth episode of the Gestalten podcast. Uh, my name is Martin and, uh, The, on the other line over here is my very, very dear colleague and friend, Eric Galina. And we're looking forward to having you back on board and having you back listening uh, for episode six in just about a couple of weeks. Thank All you right. very much, guys. Take care. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.